a long time ago, these two women were out picking cherries, and near where their camp was, there was a lot of choke cherries there. I think that's the kind of cherry that only grows in America. I think in Europe, there's a cherry called Johannesbeer. That's the German word for it. I don't know what it's called in English. But that tastes similar. It has a similar taste. But then choke cherry is a little bit more bitter. So these two women were picking choke cherries. And it was a really good location near where their camp was. So they didn't have to walk a long way. And they could stay there to a dark time. Because the camp was just right there. So it wasn't any danger. So anyway, they got done picking choke cherries. And then they decided to go up on this hill just outside their camp. And just look at the stars. And when they were gazing and they were looking up, and and one lady said, look at that star right there, Joe. It's really a pretty one. I'm going to marry that one, she said. And then they they, they laughed, yeah. (laughs) And then the other girl said, no, that one over there is even more prettier. So I'm going to marry that one. And then they start laughing again. And here they saw a light coming down really fast. And it landed a little distance in front of them. So they went over there to see it, to go investigate on their own. And when they got to this clearing, there was a light floating above the ground. And here, two men came out. They were dressed kind of different than what, what they know. Evidently, they could communicate somehow to these women. And they told them they came from up there meaning the stars, and they asked them, would you like to take a trip there, and then we'll bring you home. If you don't like it up there, if you want to come home, we'll bring you home. And so the girl said, yeah, okay. So they took their cherries with them, and they got on this light. In no time, they were gone. Up in this other world, it looked kind of similar, but things just were a little bit different. And they met the families of these two men. They were really friendly to these Lakota women. And these people asked them, could you stay with us for a while? But if you want to go home, just let us know and we'll take you back. They said so the women thought that was okay. So they decided to stay up there. You know, they're both young women and they're off to see the world. <laughs> In this case, off to see the universe. <laughs> So they were up there, and then one lady fell in love with one of these guys. And they decided to get married, and they had children. The other lady was getting homesick, and and she didn't like the other guy. And that other guy, he kind of forced her to stay with him. And when they were with the people, he was all friendly. He seemed to be a nice guy, but then when they were in private, he was really mean to her. And one day, she was digging in the ground. She was looking for timsila. It's like a turnip. And she was wondering if they have something like that in that world. So she was digging for that. And as she was digging, somehow she saw her homeland. And so she thought, how can I get back there? And then she had an idea. She decided to make a rope from these timsila. You see these wild turnips, they have a really long tail. It's the part on the top. So anyway, what people do is when they dig them, they dig them and then they tie them at the top. There's this long stem at the top of the turnip. 
and then they tie it together. And when you tie a bunch of them together like that, it looks like a really thick rope. And so she found a plant like that up there. And after several months, she had a really long rope. Every day, all day long, she was out making this rope. And after several months, it was really long. And then she let it down this hole, and it was almost to her home. And so she decided she's going to take a chance anyway. She'll just jump the rest of the way. That's what she thought. So she let herself, and she was almost at her home, and then the rope started coming up. So she knew that this no-good guy was pulling her up. Now, by this time, she was pregnant for this guy. He raped her. And so then she let go of the rope because she didn't want to go back to him because he was really a mean guy. So she fell. She fell in the place that today is known as Pheshla. This is in the Black Hills. This is one of the reasons why it's sacred. There's another reason that it's sacred. And that event happened millions of years before this woman fell there. Yeah, so this area is considered sacred for two reasons. And I'm talking about the second reason. Okay, the first reason is another story. But anyway, she fell and landed in that area. And there were two meadowlark birds that heard this. It was an old couple. And when you hear meadowlark birds sing, it really makes you feel good. They're the first birds that come back after winter. And so when you hear a meadowlark bird singing for the first time, you know winter's over. They're announcing it. Yeah, They're announcing that winter's over. So it's really happy time. And so then this old meadowlark couple transformed into human form. And they went to go see what fell from the sky. And they saw this woman laying there and she just gave birth. And there was a little boy. So. She said to this couple, she said, please raise my son. And she said, I'm not going to live long. I really hurt inside and something is wrong. So I know I'm not going to live. She said, so please promise to take care of my son. And this couple said they would. So the woman died and they did the necessary ceremony for that. And then they took this baby boy and they raised him. And this boy grew fast. Within one year, he was an adult. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, he was an adult. All that happened in less than one year. And he was really wise, too. Yeah, he really grew in wisdom just fast. And he got a reputation. He had this super strong ability, physical ability, plus he was incredibly smart. He was incredibly wise and very emotionally developed. So he got a reputation of helping people out of really difficult situations. And they called him Wichachpihichpaye. That means fallen star. So he would go around from camp to camp and helping people and stuff like that. Now the story goes longer, but I'm just going to stop at that point, okay? Because I just want to talk about this aspect of the story. Okay, so from this story, we gather certain things already. Remember, of these two women, one stayed up there, and she had children for this guy. These two women come from a Lakota group called the Sichanghu. Today, 
their descendants live on the Rosebud and Lower Brule Sioux reservations in South Dakota. My dad is from Rosebud, so I am part from that people. So there's Fichanghu Lakota descendants somewhere out there in the universe. <laughs> That's according to the story, yeah? And likewise, remember this lady who fell to the earth, her son, remember his father's from up there. And so this is saying that there's star people that are descended from this guy, this Wichachpihikpaya. He was half Sichangu Lakota and half star nation, Wichachpi Oyate. This is interesting. This is really, really interesting. Do you understand? There's a connection here. So when you look at this story, this story, these two guys came and they talked with these women and they asked these women, would you like to come with us? And what kind of technology must they have had to have accomplished all this? See, this story, everything makes sense. But when you look at these alien abduction stories, there's things that don't make sense. Like, for example, some of these stories will say that they were lifted up by a light, and it always happens when they're asleep. They were lifted up, and then they were taken aboard some spaceship, and then they were put on some kind of examination table, and then all these weird-looking instruments came and cut open something in their skin. It said they took samples from their bodies, and then they dumped them off in some cow pasture or something like that. Now, to me, there's some inconsistency here. If you have that kind of technology to travel clear across the universe, you have that kind of advanced technology, how come they still need saws to cut people? Even if they have lasers, why would they even need to cut people? Why couldn't they just have some kind of a machine that is something like an x-ray, but even more? Do you see what I mean? They have the technology to zoom across the universe, but at the same time, they're still using saws to cut people. And my guess is that if you have the technology to cruise across the universe, you probably have the technology to examine somebody without even taking them aboard a ship. Do you see the inconsistency? The Lakota Star Knowledge story makes a hell of a lot more sense than these alien abduction stories. And I think that there's too many inconsistencies, and I think this is something different. Good and bad exist everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're going to find something good, you're going to find something not good. Even among your own family, some people will be good, and some people are not. So good and bad, that does not belong to a family, it does not belong to a skin color or a race or a religion. It's how people choose to live their lives. Now, that doesn't just exist on this earth. That exists throughout the universe. So there's going to be some unhealthy energy out there. There's going to be some unhealthy something out there too. It's not just on this earth. So I can imagine that, yes, there probably are experiences where that maybe some people come here. 
and do some not so nice things. But these abduction stories don't fit the bill for me. Because here you have a spaceship that's cruising throughout the universe and just bleeping around and next thing you know they're, hey, let's abduct this guy here, yeah? And so they take him aboard the spaceship and they say, hey, let's see what's inside of him. And so they get a saw and don't even give him anesthesia and they start cutting him open and he's screaming in pain. And then it's like the technology doesn't make sense. They have the technology to cruise throughout the universe, but yet they still have to use saws or whatever instruments to cut open a body? It doesn't make sense. I think the day that humans on this planet are able to develop to that kind of technological level, I think that kind of level is going to appear in every science. I think you're going to see that kind of technology appear all over the society. There will be ways to improve this and that and anything else. Because for me, one analogy would be like this. For these aliens to come to this planet, come cruising throughout the universe, what would normally take our human rockets and shuttles uh, would take them maybe a hundred lifetimes to reach that distance. Yet they zoom over here in one lifetime, and maybe even less than that. To me, that says they have a hell of a technology. If humans from planet Earth ever get to that ability, I think their technology is going to appear everywhere. Because to say that, okay, here you have aliens cruising throughout the universe, then they come to our Earth and decide to abduct a cow and cut part of the intestine out of the cow, then leave it off into the prairie someplace. And then <laughs> that's like us guys. We're going to take the space shuttle and we're going to fly to the moon, but we're going to put some ship sails on top, yeah? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. They're going to use ropes and stuff that... <laughs> caveman kind of hammer and clubs for their tools. Do you see what I mean? It's not consistent. The technology is not consistent. And I think that's the part when people are saying they're abducted, they don't think that far to try to fool people with their lies because that's what I think it is. It's lies. Because there's too much inconsistency. However, there are some strange oddities. Long time ago, way back in the 1970s, <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> anyway, back in the 1970s, on the Rosebud Sioux Reservation, there were some strange things happening. There was a rancher, a non-native rancher, who was leasing some tribal land. He was out checking his herd of cattle, and he found a gruesome object. And there was a cow. The cow was mutilated. However, it was done in such a way that there was absolutely no blood on the ground or on the body of the cow. All the blood was gone. Just like somebody used a blood vacuum cleaner and just vacuumed all the blood out of this cow. And part of the intestine was missing. 
and some of the other organs were missing too. And what it looked like was it looked like it was done with precision instruments. In other words, if somebody just didn't go there and use a butcher knife and just start chopping away. Everything was cut in straight lines. Everything was done very neatly, very orderly. And it really puzzled the authorities. And people were thinking, who would do something like that? And for what reason? And the story goes that sometime during that time period, I think it was the span of about four to five months, that people would be seeing strange lights out in the country. And whenever people saw these lights, the next day, some rancher or whatever would find a mutilated cow. It was done in the same way that the first one was done. No blood. Some of the organs are missing. The cuts done to the cow, the cuts are all precise, very orderly. It was almost like an operation. Every time they saw lights, the next day they would find a cow like this. It was really weird. This is an unsolved mystery. Nobody has ever solved that today. And it just didn't happen in South Dakota. It happened in other places too. So, what could that be? Somebody just likes Tanika, yeah? <laughs> Somebody doesn't, doesn't even like steak. They just like Tanika. <laughs> These aliens have good taste, yeah? All they wanted was the Tanika. So hopefully you don't get abducted by those guys because they're going to have some wicked breath, yeah? <laughs> oh, shoot. Khanicha is a soup. It's a delicacy. It's Traditionally, it's buffalo, yeah? It's the intestines of a buffalo. They're taken out, they're cleaned thoroughly, and then they're boiled all day long. So they're incredibly soft. And then they're boiled with the wild turnips, and corn, and when you eat that soup, oh, it's delicious, yeah? I grew up on that. I think you have to eat this when you're a little kid. You know, when I was a little kid, I remember that one of the ranchers on Shan River, whenever he butchered cattle, he would invite the Indians to come because he knew Indians really liked Khanika soup. So he would say, you can come and take all you want. And he would give them some regular meat, but then he also said, go ahead and take all the tanika, all you want. So families would go there and take a bunch of wash buckets and stuff, so they'd be going through all these intestines, cleaning them out, and there was really a lengthy process that they did. And then they boil it. Boy, it stinks. I remember seeing my mom and them do this out in the country, and it would just really, really smell. And then they would put these wild turnips, the timsila. They would put the corn in it, and sometimes potatoes would go in there. And then they would eat that. Yeah, After it's done and you eat that, and my mom would give it to me. And there's different looking parts. So there's words in Lakota for the different parts. 
And my mom was teaching me all these things. <laughs> and then she said, here, try this one, eat this one, yeah? So there were some I really didn't care for, but there were others that I really liked. Yeah, they really tasted good. But then when you get done eating, you have this thin grease layer on the roof of your mouth. So you have to drink something to get rid of that. But, oh, it tasted good, yeah? Really, you have to grow up eating that because if you try to eat that, let's say you're 20-something years old and you're not familiar with this kind of thing, and you smell that, and your tendency is going to you're gonna be doing dry heaves, and, <laughs> and it's going to gross you out. But if you taste it, oh, you're going to fall in love, I guarantee. It's just, oh, man, that's the, some of the best. Oh, <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a long time since I had good chanicha soup here. Oh, by the way, when I first moved here, I tried to make it. Yeah, I went to one of these stores that sells tripe. And I bought some. And I remembered my mom boiling it for a really, really long time. You got to watch the texture. That's when you know how it's done. Yeah? You just don't say, okay, put that such and such temperature and boil it for 90 minutes. No, you have to constantly be there to stir it and it has to have a certain feel. Then you know what's done. So I learned that from my mom. And so I, <laughs> and I lived on the top floor of this building during that time. <laughs> you could hear people in the streets. They were talking and they're like, where's that smell coming from? I stunk out the neighborhood, yeah. <laughs> but it tasted good, yeah. The tranicha really tasted good. And some people add hominy in it, too. That's uh, that's a type of bean, I think, a hominy. For those of you in Europe that don't know what hominy is, in America, it's a common thing. You put it in soups. Anyway, oh, that was just wonderful, yeah. So uh, it's a delicacy, but the thing is you have to grow up like that because if you try it for the first time when you're an adult, most likely you're not going to like it unless you already have tried tripe in other kinds of soups. Like the Mexicans, they have a tripe soup too, but theirs is nowhere near as good as Lakota Tanija. Lakota Tanija really tastes much, much better than what the Mexicans do. Anyway, um, it is interesting that this mystery never got solved on the Rosebud Sioux Reservation. But it happened in other places, too. It happened in Wyoming, I think it was, or Wyoming or Colorado. I think it was Wyoming. It happened there and also in Idaho. And it's the same thing. The ranchers find a cow out in the middle of nowhere. It's laying on the ground. And when he goes over there, he finds out that no blood in the cow and certain organs are taken out. and the cuts that are done to the body are just precision, real precision cuts. So, again, I come back to what I said earlier. If a super uh, alien race comes from a super fantastic civilized kind of society that can develop a technology where they can zoom across the universe to visit different planets that are inhabited by humans, let me tell you, the nearest planet that could be inhabited by humans would take several lifetimes to get there. And so the fact that these guys can do it, that shows you they must have a hell of a technology to be able to accomplish that. 
why would they need to cut into things? If they have this technology to cruise across the universe, I would think they would have the technology to be able to just take the stuff out without cutting. So, I don't think it's aliens that's doing this. So who is? Real strange. There's some strange people out there. Yeah? So anyway, I just wanted to mention that one. It, like I said, it's an unsolved one. Yeah? Nobody really knows who did it. <laughs> and of course, the obvious funny is, why cows? <laughs> why are these... <laughs> You know, I mean, you find an animal and, and, um, <laughs> do they think these cows are, are the, the most intelligent beings on this planet or something like that? <laughs> these must be hillbilly aliens or something. <laughs> Just take part of the intestine and, some of the um, organs out and then just totally leave the steaks and <laughs> oh man anyway I, I just thought I would bring that up yeah, but let's get back to this this story here this fallen star the guy I was telling you about it's because of him that we have all the star knowledge of what's out there because this guy, in his life, Lakota Star Knowledge stories talk about how he goes back up there to see his father, to see his people on his father's side of the family. And he does something to make a pact between his father's people and his mother's people. So in Lakota Star Knowledge, there's this story of a pact that was made millions of years ago between people up there and that's the Changu Lakota people. That's really interesting, yeah? When it talks about this, and lots of Lakota people don't even know the story. And there is a really good reason why today most Lakota people don't know these kind of stories. It's a historical reason. And this is the reason. Back in the late 1800s, when we were placed on reservations, there were prison camps in the beginning. And uh, this is a situation where we couldn't leave. We were not allowed to hunt. Our knives and guns were taken from us. And we were only allowed to eat whatever the American government gave to us, which was really no good food. The quality of the food was okay when it left places like Chicago and stuff like that. But once it got to some of these train stations between there and the reservation, a lot of these handlers would sell it. And then they would buy old food and put that in there instead, and these middlemen would make a lot of money. So what we got on a reservation was bullshit food. It was really no good. And we ended up getting all kinds of diseases like uh, heart diseases, hypertension, diabetes, things like that. And then, at the same time, our language and ceremonies were declared illegal by the United States. So we were hit physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Soon after that, our minds became weak. 
these are the four parts of the self. So with the four parts of the self being sick, we lost our connection to our sacred center. So we started to focus on communicating away from that. And then the priests came from the various churches, and they learned our ways and said that since our ways conflict with the Bible, that our ways are evil, that they come from Satan. They come from the devil. So in our weakened states, we slowly began to accept that. Now, another thing is that there were some Lakota people that didn't want to accept that. They wanted to hang on to the traditional Lakota star knowledge ways. And if they revolted, they were sent to a mental hospital in Canton, South Dakota, which was set up for all reluctant Indians in America that did not want to become Christianized. They were sent there. And these church priests also committed the medicine men, medicine women, holy men, holy women. They committed all of them to these mental asylums too. This way, the people would not go to them for help, that they would come to the churches. They wanted the Indian people to only go to the priests and not their traditional healers. So they sent the healers to this mental asylum to die. And if you are radical, you were sent there to die too. So while this is happening, the priests are saying to Indian people, if you believe our way, we will help your children. And so it was a very, very dire straits time. And so a lot of Indians became Christians because of that. Like I said, we were weak-minded too at that point. And those who stuck it out, there were people who refused to accept Christianity, but they went to church anyway. What they were doing was they were putting up a candy storefront. On the outside, they were acting like good little Christian Indians, but on the inside, they weren't. They were star knowledge people. They did this because they didn't want to get sent to that mental asylum to die. That's sad, isn't it? But that's part of what happened back then. And it's because of these people who maintained this knowledge in secret. Thanks to them, they passed it down to certain people, like me. And we still have this knowledge and I'm sharing it with you because this regards the sacred center and we all have that this is not a Lakota thing this is a Ikche Oyate thing Ikche Oyate means human being when you live this way you communicate as a human not as a Lakota not as a German or a Japanese or an African you communicate as a human. That's really important to know. So, that's how it was back then. Now, remember I said that the, the priest said to the Indians, we will help your children. So, they took the children away from the parents, sent them to boarding school hundreds of miles away, where these children were tortured to speak only English, 
and learn the civilized Christian way. If they spoke about home, they were tortured. These schools didn't do background checks in those days. The pay was really low. So they got really no good teachers in these schools. A lot of these teachers were sadistic. They got sexual pleasure from torturing people. And here, this is like summer holiday camp for them. And the same thing for perverts. A lot of perverts now had their pick of the litter. And they could get away with it. That's what happened. A lot of these children were murdered. They were killed. They were raped. They were molested. And there's a lot of unmarked graves near these schools. Not all these children are accounted for. So, those who made it through, what they learned was whatever they saw. Because a lot of these children never went back home. They were told by the priests that their families had died and that there was nobody there. And that broke their hearts. This is why some of these children, they were so sad, they couldn't eat. And they ended up starving themselves to death. And those who made it through, like I said, they didn't really survive because they were not able to process all these emotional traumas that they experienced. They didn't know how. Because the only adults that were around them were these unhealthy, abusive people, teachers, dorm matrons, cooks, janitors, priests. They were all unhealthy to them. That's all they knew. They learned how to become victims, and they learned how to become abusers to those who they considered weaker than themselves. So they didn't really survive. A lot of these children that made it through these schools, they had a lot of traumas that they didn't know how to deal with because all they saw was abuse. That's what they learned. They had, there was no adult healthy role models to emulate. And remember I said these children were told that their families were all dead. So they didn't go back during summer holiday. They just stayed at these schools and worked. So when they left these schools, they tried to live in mainstream America. Nobody accepted them. They would say, ah, you're a heathen. You're a dirty Indian. So they couldn't even get jobs off the reservation. And when they went back to the reservation, to their people they ran into more problems. Many, many times they were not even accepted by their own people because their own people were saying, oh, you're too white. You act like a white man. So they're caught in between. So a lot of them turned to alcohol to try to hide all of it, to try to forget everything. They turned to alcohol and then later drugs. There were some who tried to make it. They married each other because they knew each other 
went through the same thing. And they didn't want their children to go through what they went through. So they didn't teach them the language. They didn't teach them the culture. Those children, the children of these first-generation boarding school people, those children are today's elders. When they were born, they didn't learn the language. They didn't learn Lakota Star knowledge. They never got the opportunity to. When you look at an old person on the reservation today, they're not the connection to the ancient past. No, they were born in a Christian background. At a time when the reservations were strongly Christian. So this is what happened. That's a native experience that a lot of people don't realize. And this, is, this is what happened all over America. And Canada too. So the next generation, they are sent to boarding school too. No choice. It's a little bit better, but they're still abused. They're still getting treated really no good. And so they grow up, have children, and they don't teach their children anything. What what can they teach them? They don't know anything concerning their own language. This is why today most people cannot speak their own language. And what little cultural information they know is Christianized. Meaning... It's dualistic, and it's not the original ancient form. Okay, so the first generation of Indian kids that were sent to boarding school, since all around them were unhealthy adults who did nothing but abuse them, they didn't receive healthy parenting. They missed things that they should have learned about life. So they're lacking emotional development. So when they grow up, and those who make it through these boarding schools, and then they they have children, those children are also lacking that emotional support, that emotional development. Because the parents don't know how to do it. All they knew and all they learned was abuse. All they experienced in these schools was abuse. They have a hard time trying to be a healthy parent. So they do the best that they can. But the children still are not receiving the proper emotional development, the the experiences that, that healthy children should receive from healthy parents. They're still missing that. And so when that second generation grows up, they know even less concerning healthy parenting. And so their children receive even less. And every time this happens, the next generation becomes more dualistic than the previous one. So let me try to say that again. The first generation boarding school kids, they didn't receive proper parenting skills. So when they have children, their children are not receiving healthy training that they should be receiving. They're receiving even less than their parents. 
Now that second generation, when they grow up, see, they know even less. So when they have children, those children are, are receiving even less, and it gets worse with each generation, which also means that the less healthy emotional development they receive, the more dualistic they become. So with each generation is more becoming emotionally underdeveloped, they're also becoming more dualistic. So today, it's a huge mess on the reservation. As a whole, we're incredibly underdeveloped emotionally, and we are incredibly dualistic. We're quick to attack each other. We're quick to pull each other down. We're just like the rest of the civilized, dualistic world. Notice I didn't say white man, because this is all over the world. It's not just among white countries. It's all over the world. Wherever there is a dualistic ideology, where one gender is considered less than and property of the other gender, you're going to have incredibly underdeveloped emotional people, which equals incredibly dualistic people. And that is unhealthy. So that started by the time of the late 1800s on the reservation. This information that I'm presenting on here, most Lakota people don't even know these stories. But as I said earlier, thankfully, some of us still do. This information is still here. But like I said, the story concerning this guy, this Wichachbihichbaya, is really interesting. Because it shows you that basically the same things that happen here happen out there. And they also happen inside of you. It's always the reflection. And you keep looking for the source of it all. It's deep within you. This is why the basic concept for Lakota star knowledge is reality begins within. And so before you can understand what's out there, you've got to understand what's inside you. That's the whole purpose.